Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. Planning for a wastewater treatment plant takes 10 years and probably another 10 years to actually build it. So we always have to plan 25 years in advance for a population 25 years later. And, you know, similar to what many things happen in the world, we usually plan something for the present and then it doesn't end up working out for the future. Abhishek Dutta is currently a PhD student at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. Abhishek is pursuing a PhD in environmental engineering with a thesis around the water energy nexus. This is focusing on the energy and resource recovery from wastewater to make wastewater treatments cyclical in nature. Abhishek's past experiences include water and wastewater treatment, biofuel industry, microbiology, river restoration, and cell biology. Abhishek, so tell me about the current status of wastewater treatment across the world and how is wastewater affecting human and marine life around the world? So the current wastewater treatment processes across the world are not really that well established. Almost 85% of the wastewater that gets produced goes out into the oceans without being treated. And most of the wastewater treatment plants actually exist in the developed nations with underdeveloped countries dealing with wastewater by using simpler methods such as septic tanks. And this is harmful to the environment uh, as well as to human health because once the wastewater is discharged into the environment, be it into the oceans or even freshwater bodies such as rivers or lakes, humans have the chance of actually coming in contact with the water. And therefore, you know, by being exposed to the water, contaminated water itself, they can get diseases or it can affect the livelihood in terms of, say, if their livelihood depended on the water if uh, via fishing or tourism. I think that is the biggest effect that we're seeing worldwide, which is apart from health effects, it's also affecting the livelihoods of people who depend on the water. <clears throat> Interesting. And it seems like a big issue with wastewater is this perception of wastewater where maybe people look at wastewater as just being a waste or there's, you know, I heard a constant theme from Unleash was there's money and shit. Mm-hmm. So what what is this perception with wastewater and what are maybe some of these, these true economic opportunities that could be done with wastewater? Mm-hmm. So the paradigm around wastewater is actually changing or has changed only over the past five or ten years. Before, it was all about just, uh, oh, we need to treat our wastewater so that we're not discharging unclean water into the environment. But then it actually came down to what can we get out of our waste streams. And it's actually not just wastewater. It's also other solid waste streams, such as if you um, take, for example, food waste or brewery waste or dairy waste. All of these streams have potential resources which we can tap on. And this is a great avenue because, in general, according to me, around the whole environmental sustainability narrative, the reason why I feel governments as well as corporations don't really want to invest is because there's less monetary incentive. And it seems more to be like a philanthropic project rather than being an economic, economically viable project. So this economic trade-off between environmental sustainable practices and economic growth or development 
I feel is kind of the reason why we don't move towards more sustainable practices. But that is why the whole there is money and shit narrative is important because there are resources such as energy in the form of biogas from wastewater and solid-based streams, uh, important nutrients such as nitrogen and phosphorus, also other important chemicals which can be obtained. And now they're also trying to remove microplastics from wastewater streams. While it is one of the waste streams where all of our shit pretty much lands up, it's also almost like a gold mine where if we can collect all of it back from these waste streams without applying energy-intensive methods, then uh, it might actually be profitable. And I think that's where there has been a shift towards getting resources or money out of wastewater treatment systems. Interesting. And so you talk about earlier that the majority of wastewater systems and services are in urban areas. Mm -hmm. Um, How, based on the challenges you just presented, but also the opportunities, how is it possible and, and, and what's being done to provide wastewater services to the urban poor or the rural poor or just some of these these other developing countries around the world? So so the first reason why wastewater treatment actually exists in denser areas or urban areas is because it's simply um, more feasible to treat a large amount of wastewater. And also if you're, for example, adopting biological methods, you need a lot of organic content in your wastewater to actually treat it. And dilute wastewaters are more difficult to treat but also less harmful for the environment, obviously. But that's one, which is which is one of the reasons why we have wastewater treatment plants in urban areas or denser areas. To answer the second question, which is what can actually be done to give more access to wastewater treatment, I think the issue is that most older cities were developed without actual piping uh, systems connecting to their waste streams. We usually have piping systems which connect to our taps, which provide us drinking water or water for portable use, but not a lot of urban cities, especially in developing countries, are connected with piping systems to take away their sewage, which is one of the first problems. So if there's a lack of laid piping systems, there's no way you can actually have centralized wastewater treatment because you don't have the piping system to take the water out, which is why a lot of places are actually exploring decentralized wastewater treatment. For one, I know that in in Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia, they have explored decentralized wastewater treatment because uprooting uh, piping systems or placing new ones is way too expensive. And in a lot of countries, like in the Caribbean islands, simply not a priority really to put forward wastewater treatment simply because it's really expensive to have centralized wastewater treatment and therefore it's not the government's priority really. And there are a lot of factors apart from just whether we should have wastewater treatment or not, such as these. But I think it's very case-sensitive. It needs to be centralized or decentralized based on the situation of the urban area itself. However, there needs to be minimum wastewater treatment or solid waste treatment, at least in the form of, say, septic tanks or small decentralized treatment plants uh, for on a community basis, which can be carried out before we discharge these wastes directly into the water bodies. Yeah, and it seems like with every water project around the world, one of the most important things is to take a grassroots approach and approach mm-hmm. it on a, ca- a case-by-case basis and really understand the problem and reverse engineer the solution, the whole problem framing and then solution, of course. Mm-hmm. But with all these different communities, it seems like every community has its own perception of waste. How, let's say, within, let's say in, in places in, in South Asia 
or it maybe allude to your to your unleashed project here. How do you create the incentive to actually care about wastewater when it's never been thought of as anything valuable before? I mean, is that mm-hmm. something you could do through economics with, let's say, with, with tourism lost or something that you can look at with the health benefits of doing it? Or how do we create incentives to perceive wastewater as something that is um, desired and, and cool? Mm-hmm. So I kind of visualize this as two different levels of conversation. The first is if we just talk about common people, they don't really have any incentive if we get waste, uh, resources out of wastewater because that's done on a centralized level. And for example, if I get energy in the form of biogas from wastewater, the biogas just gets sent back into the electricity grid. And I mean, apart from being very well-educated, I wouldn't see how people would actually know about this fact or how they would benefit from it, apart from possibly just getting maybe some credits. But for common people, I think health and health effects is what affects them on a daily basis a lot more. I come from two, I mean, I have experiences with two different demographics. And, you know, having worked in India where we actually have open drains and open sewers in a lot of slums, which are very densely populated, people in those communities are directly exposed to open sewer systems as well as direct wastewater discharge into rivers near them. And then they possibly use that river for their daily life, um, such as washing clothes or possibly fishing in that river. And this is probably the story across a lot of cities in and villages in South Asia or Africa. And for these people, I think the common education and awareness is uh, the first big step because if they are not even aware that if they are, for example, getting a staph infection after a couple of months of going into that water, they probably don't even know that that is one of the reasons why they got it. For example, in our Unleash perspective, the project that we actually carried out was that in a small island of St. Lucia, which is actually a story of a lot of Caribbean islands, where one of our teammates, she went into the ocean where wastewater was directly being discharged right next to her home. And she got a staph infection about a couple of months after that. And apparently the doctors were not really aware that it was happening because of direct contact from uh, contaminated waters in the ocean itself. They probably assumed that it was from the drinking water or stagnated water from rains around their homes. But there seems to be a lack of basic awareness among people, for common people that is. On a higher level, though, the incentive obviously is bigger for, say, big corporations, energy companies, people, companies which are looking at resource recovery. For example, an important nutrient that is essential for all life forms in Earth is phosphorus. And at this point, 90% of the phosphorus that actually exists in the world is in the country of Morocco. And pretty much every country imports it from Morocco. And Canada is one of the biggest importers, actually. So now they're looking at extracting phosphorus from wastewater because naturally human beings and animals excrete phosphorus, which goes out through the wastewater stream. And they have actually successfully commercialized pilot plants where they can extract phosphorus from wastewater and use it as fertilizer. So on a higher level, this is an incentive for governments as well as for big corporations where they can get money out of this process, as well as reduce their imports of important minerals. Whereas for common people, I think education is the biggest starting point because if you're not even aware that uh, what you're sending out is polluting the environment and indirectly coming back 
uh, full circle to affect you, I think that is the problem that we have to deal with for common people. Interesting. And and yeah, it seems like there's, I, I do love the idea of taking a previously thought about waste and turning it into an economic input or creating some yeah. type of new output. Uh, it does seem like that needs to be shown and proven and tested. Um, and so, so on that, are you aware of anyone who's maybe wasn't using wastewater technologies, but now is, has adopted wastewater technologies and is actually a, a wastewater strategies for that matter. And um, whether mm-hmm. it's top to bottom or bottom to top, any companies or, or countries in particular you think that are good examples for uh, people to learn about? So, um, from my knowledge, I think Europe is obviously the leader in all sorts of environmental sustainable practices, and wastewater treatment is no different. For example, countries of Netherlands, Denmark, the Scandinavian countries have already really advanced wastewater treatment processes. Singapore has actually perfected getting drinking water out of wastewater, which is called new water now, though it's expensive. But for a country which is actually short in drinking water, they have found their ways of getting clean water out of wastewater, and they have perfected the process of water reclamation. But I think, again, going back to the point that it's very case-specific, and unless countries actually need to do it, they don't really have the intent to do, to do it is what I feel. For example, a country like Canada, which has which has abundant natural water, it's it, they don't really have the incentive to reclaim water from wastewater, but they do have the incentive to possibly get uh, resources such as new nitrogen and phosphorus out because they lack that. So it's going to be case sensitive across the world. And I know for uh, a fact that Canada is really advancing its wastewater treatment policies. They have established tertiary treatment plants across the big cities of Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto. And now even the smaller cities such as Victoria are starting their first wastewater treatment plants because of their coastal areas being polluted by waste, untreated wastewater discharge. And I know for a fact that in India as well, and especially the big cities, wastewater treatment is becoming a big priority. Possibly not in terms of uh, very advanced treatment, but at least they're starting off with at least up to the secondary treatment stage uh, so that the water, that the effluent that goes out is cleaner. So I think countries and governments are taking steps. But the other issue which I, I just want to shed light on is that planning for a wastewater treatment plant takes 10 years and probably another 10 years to actually build it. So we always have to plan 25 years in advance for a population 25 years later. And with, you know, similar to what many things happen in the world, we usually plan something for the present and then it doesn't end up working out for the future. So I think apart from just building wastewater treatment plants for today or even other treatment plants, for example, if you're trying to solve the climate crisis or even trying to clean our air, our solutions need to be sustainable instead of just being for the next 10 or 20 years because emerging pollutants keep coming all the time. For example, microplastics are now a big pollutant that are emerging in wastewater human plants and we have no design for that to capture them and avoid the release of the ocean. So small things like these, we need to build sustainable plants and have sustainable policies as well, which account for sustainable treatment practices which don't require too much energy. So these are the small things that especially countries in Europe have really taken forward and other countries are following pursuit. 
But again, it's just not a priority for a lot of countries, where, whereas other countries can focus on it because they have the means to do it. Yep. And, and you bring up a good point, too, where sometimes we are focused on building a project today or we're focused on the population today. And it's, it's maybe hard for a, a current politician or someone in government that's making these budget decisions to think about mm-hmm. something that's not within their term limit, you know, something that's Absolutely. for the population 25 years down the road. And I mean, within the United States, North America, we had huge popu- or huge infrastructure booms in the 30s and 40s and mm-hmm. 50s. And then they all have a 50, 75-year lifespan. And we have infrastructure now supporting populations that were uh, infrastructure that was designed for much smaller populations serving huge populations and mm-hmm. dealing with all the different stormwater runoff and wastewater uh, contamination and you know and America is perceived to be a developed country um, but even that has the struggle with the not the proper allocation of true resources from the infrastructure standpoint to the, the population mm-hmm. as well as just the, the ability to, to really plan 25 years out, like you said. That's so, that to me, that seems to be a significant challenge. So, it, it, and, and actually, U.S. is a good example because um, the other perspective is the opinion of the public. So for example, in Orange County, when California was having a shortage of actual water, they wanted to reclaim water from wastewater, but then the the public, the society, was not really happy about consu- like consuming water which was obtained from wastewater. So what they did was they recharged the aquifer, aquifers with this uh, treated water so that they can finally get it with the groundwater that we're taking out. So I think the taboo with wastewater is another angle to things where the government can't just claim something from it without also keeping in mind the aesthetic value of water itself, what people perceive it to be. So that's another completely different angle with the U.S. as an example. Yeah, interesting. I mean, and I'd love to continue to learn more and hear from you, uh, maybe kind of final thoughts on some sort of, a, if people want to learn more about different wastewater technologies or if you have any sort of final thoughts, suggestions around wastewater in general for someone looking to get involved with wastewater engineering or, or possible collaboration projects or anything. Mm-hmm. So I think the first question that if anybody's interested to know what where their wastewater goes, you know, what's happening to the water after they use it, um, they should go to the website of their local water board and see what's actually happening with the water and how much of it is getting treated. The other thing is that every state and every district and every country has their own discharge standards for water. So if you want to see the water around, especially if you're living in coasts, if you actually want to see what is the quality of water that's being discharged around you, there should be data on online to see what is the quality of water that's being discharged? Now, there are several countries, for example, the Caribbean, which is one of the examples we took in Unleash, where this data is not even available simply because it's so bad, the quality is so bad that they don't even uh, reveal it. So I think the first question that people who are remotely interested in knowing about their where their water is going is asking the question about what is the quality of water that's going out and how much of it is being treated. But if you're actually take, interested in taking up uh, wastewater treatment or, say, anything in the wastewater industry commercially, um, uh, there are several corporations, and uh, private and public 
sector undertakings which are working on this. And um, there are several resources available online, obviously, to actually learn about wastewater treatment and different processes that happen. But the best starting point would be learning about where your water goes and what's happening to it, I, I think. Love it, man. Well, Abhishek, thank you so much for your time today. Thank really you. enjoyed thank you for having me. learning about all things Good wastewater chat. and um, look thank forward to the next time. Yeah, same here. I hope you have a good day. What's up, STG Talks world? I really enjoyed this conversation with Abhishek talking about all things wastewater. One of the things that I find so fascinating is looking at how do we change his perception of wastewater? Abhishek gave some good examples talking about how do you how do you expand health education awareness about why people are getting sick by having wastewater. I mentioned the, the project in the Caribbean where people are getting staph infections. I think if people knew that they were getting staph infections from inadequate wastewater, that would put more pressure on the governments to actually focus on wastewater. Uh, that was really interesting to also understand that 95% of the phosphorus that's exported around the world is coming from Morocco, whereas humans and our excretions are creating wastewater, uh, phosphorus in the wastewater, so why not just find a way to extract the phosphorus from there and, and utilize it for some other inputs where we need phosphorus. Probably one of the most interesting things is looking at our perception around actual planning. Urban planning takes a lot of time, smart cities takes a lot of effort, but how do we actually not plan for today, but plan for tomorrow? And when I mean tomorrow, I mean 20, 30 years down the road. And frankly, 2030, this whole roadmap to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, it's not far away. So we gotta start quick, gotta start fast, and let's get on it. Thanks for listening to the SDG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow SDG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash in United Nations community. The goal of the SDG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.